0: listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. For uh, some 13 years, Larry Campbell has sat in that uh, that chair and uh, anchored the music here. Only twice in those 13 years have we heard his speaking, preaching voice. It's usually his singing voice, or his laughter. And... Uh, and on both the occasions when he preached, I was actually away, so he was filling in. Tonight, on his second last Sunday before he retires, we've asked him to, uh, to come, and we will hear his speaking voice. Larry. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. The last time I spoke here at St. Benedict's Table, you folks were wonderfully attentive However, you'll remember I sort of went on and on. Tonight I'm there was several laughter there I'm not sure. <laughs> Tonight I'm committed to not taking up as much of your time and to that end apparently Jamie saw my notes over on the thing and he said he took a page out so that'll make it that much shorter. I'm not sure which page he took out. Anyway, with that caveat we begin. Before the passage we read tonight in Matthew, we were told about the woman who was healed simply by touching the hem of Jesus' robe. He healed the daughter of the synagogue leader. He healed two blind men. He healed a man who couldn't speak and whom people believed was possessed by a demon. The common denominator of most of these healing events was that Jesus told them all it was their faith that healed them. As we pick the story up from here, we're told that the message Jesus proclaimed throughout the region was the good news of the kingdom. This was always accompanied with the healing of the sick. This healing ministry was to be a sign and was to give credence to Jesus' authority and his claim that the kingdom was near. This is the same message that Jesus told his disciples to preach as well. Jesus also gave the disciples a curious set of instructions. He said, "Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town in the of the Samaritans, but rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." We've heard Jesus say to those he's healed, not to tell anyone about the healing. And I've always wondered about that. But this seems to be a little different. Don't go to the Gentiles. I believe that this has to do with God's overarching plan of salvation for humanity. The incarnation or the enfleshing of God in Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is more than just what we celebrate at Christmas. It starts there. That's the beginning of a massive, miraculous invasion of nature by the Creator. Part of the mission of the Incarnate One was to take the form of humanity and in that form to respond to God's call with a huge yes. We as humanity have failed to say yes to the call of God. Jesus said yes to God in the desert and no to evil. He said no to self-centeredness and, yes, to living by every word from the mouth of God. He said no to the seduction of religiosity and politics in order to acquire power and fame, and, yes, to allegiance to God only. Jesus' 33 years was spent teaching humanity what it means to live in God's kingdom, to love God, and to love humanity with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have been unable to do this. He did this. When Jesus told his disciples to focus on the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he was fulfilling the next part of God's mission to all of us. First, he was living as a human, as humans were created to live. Then, in living as a human, he successfully faced evil. Now he was living into the covenant that God had with with Israel. And in this phase of God's plan in Jesus Christ to save humanity, the people of Israel were being called and reminded of that covenant. The next phase was during the Passion of Christ. After suffering false accusations, abandonment, ridicule, misunderstanding, and even alienation from God, his Father, we're told by John in his gospel, knowing that everything had now been finished, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus came to do what humanity was unable to do, to say yes to God. Paul writes, being found in the appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient. And that's obedience to the plan to reach down to humanity. And he continues to be obedient to death, even death on the cross. And that's not all. After the Christ Jesus went back to sit at the right hand of his father, They sent their spirit to live in us and through us. The kingdom of God is near indeed. But I want to explore another thought. Jesus was talking about the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and I was wondering about the lost sheep of the church. Some of us are in the process of reading the Chronicles of Narnia together. Right now, we're reading the Silver Chair. We've already been introduced to Eustace or Scrubs, and in this story he has called for Aslan the lion to help him and his friend Jill, and they've been transported to a mountain in Aslan's kingdom. This is still a fair distance from Narnia. Narnia is apparently in a bad way, and Aslan is sending Jill and Eustace to save it. Before Jill is sent to Narnia, carried on the sweet breath of the lion, by the way, which is pretty awesome, Aslan gives Jill four signs that she needs to watch for in order to accomplish their mission. He says, first, remember, remember, remember the signs. Say them to yourself when you wake in the morning and when you lie down at night And when you wake in the middle of the night, here on the mountain I have spoken to you clearly. I will not often do so down in Narnia. Here on the mountain the air is clear and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken. Take care that it does not confuse your mind. That is why it is so important to know the signs by heart, and pay no attention to appearances. Remember the signs, believe the signs. Nothing else matters. Now, this sounds strangely familiar. Remember when the Jews who had escaped from Egypt were set to enter the land that God had promised them. God had given them many laws that were designed to give the people direction and to remind them that their God was the Lord. Then God said to the people, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. These signposts were gifts given by God to help the people of Israel be the humans they were created to be. They were to remind the people who they were and to whom they belong. They would be tempted to break their agreement with God. They would be seduced by other gods and by the things that distract us all from God. They would even wonder whether their God was capable of helping them, or maybe their God wasn't even there. This is why God said to the people of Israel, What I give you today is to remain on your hearts. And this is why Aslan said to Jill, Remember, remember, remember. However, once Jill is in Narnia, she has a hard time even remembering what she's supposed to remember, which sounds a little bit like me going grocery shopping. Israel was distracted and seduced, and they forgot. They forgot who they were and to whom they belong. This is what Jesus was doing. He had come to live in humanity's skin, to face evil, and to fulfill the covenant God had with Israel. He was here to remind them who they were, and this was the mission he gave his disciples. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. But what about my question about the lost sheep of the church? Personally, I feel lost often. I get distracted from my God. I'm seduced by the tantalizing come-ons from what is often a mindless celebrity culture. I want things so that I can be cool or feel that I am in some way complete. Many of us, I'm sure, feel this way. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for I do not do the good I want to do, But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So can we take a page out of the ancient text or listen to Jesus speaking through the voice of Aslan? Can we think of some phrases that God has given us to remember? Can we say them as we drift off to sleep or as we wake? Or maybe we can repeat them when we can't sleep. Can we write them down and stick them on our fridge? or on the mirror of our bathroom? Can we tattoo them on our wrists? That sounds like kind of a hipster thing to do. Don't tattoo your forehead, please. I don't want to share too much about me, but there was a time when any thought of God was the last thing on my mind. I did want to connect with God, but I would procrastinate and continue on my distracted way. Then I remembered hearing about the desert hermits that told their followers to say the Jesus Prayer. And so I started to pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I would repeat it often, as the desert hermits instructed their followers to do. At night I said it till I fell asleep which meant sometimes I said it 20 times and sometimes I didn't even get to the have mercy part. But I believe in many ways this practice saved me. Here are some of the phrases that we could use as signs from our God to remind us who we are and to whom we belong. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Or we could say, what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Or we could say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Or even, and you can say this with me now Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by your inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm sure many of you have phrases that come to mind. Teach them to your children. Talk about them with your family when you sit down at the supper table. Talk about them with your friends as you walk down the street or as you chat over breakfast in the diner or while you nurse a beer at the pub. Sing them to yourself when you lie down. Pray them when you wake in the morning. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.